Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. Today, we're in a series called Responsibility. What a fun word, right? Everybody's like, oh, go back to faith. Responsibility. Uh, it's like something the Lord laid on my heart to realize. It's like He was just showing me, honestly, that when you become responsible for something, your outlook on it is entirely different than someone that is just looking on the outside criticizing. Has anybody in here ever carried management or anything like that? You understand this principle that when you're responsible for it, uh, it's more than just, you know, it's like when you're a kid, you think, when I grow up, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And then you grow up and you're doing what the kid wants to do that day. And you're like, wait a second, how did this happen? We're going to Disneyland. I hate Disneyland, you know. Maybe you like Disneyland. But it's because your responsibility in your life, you begin to carry things. You carry the burden or the weight of certain aspects of life. And so the way you see things and the way you handle things are entirely different. It's spiritual growth or maturity that I'm talking about. We are called to grow up. Amen. So ultimately, God's plan for your life was not just to save you and leave you as a baby, but to cause you to grow up and be a strong believer that can accomplish supernatural things in this generation. You're not meant to be a person that is swayed or controlled by your emotions or by the media. And you better believe that the media is spinning its own agenda. You don't believe that. I mean, it's, it's, it's everybody here, if I was to ask you what's your opinion about Chick-fil-A, you all have a personal opinion about Chick-fil-A. It's the same principle only played out with an agenda because any media is just going to display their personal opinion to try and make people believe that. And there's a lot of hidden stuff going on. There is an absolute wicked, demonic idea to tear down America and bring about a one-world government. And so it's biblically prophesied. We understand this reality. But that does not mean that the church is supposed to read that and say, all right, well, we're in that, so devil, come on. It means that we're supposed to read it and be First Thessalonians where we're restraining the enemy and saying, not in our generation. You cannot bring darkness where we are. When we show up, you get out of the premises. Amen. You're not going to take our nation. You're not going to tear apart our families. You're not going to destroy this country because we're here and we mean business. Come on. Who means business? Amen. Who in here, like, a lot of times, like, well, I'll, I'll just get into it, and then we'll go. I'll roll with it. I'm trying to put the cart before the horse. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Come on. This series is dedicated to learning how to not be knocked down, knocked around, or deceived, but to grow up in order to be able to pray effectively, preach persuasively, and love unchained. Amen. You're called to make a difference. Last week we talked about our responsibility as believers to show love. And there's a, a, an order of love to love God first, then to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Love your spouse. Uh, love authority. Love, love the, the move of God. So we're called to be Lovers of the Lord first, which causes us to um, challenge wicked things because we love God. We can't agree. The Bible says that light can't agree with darkness. You cannot, as a believer, agree with wicked things. And so the world will push you into it, try and make you, well, you don't love because you're standing against certain aspects. That's a lie. That's their understanding of love. Love does not say anything about love always agrees. Are you with me right now? So you, you just got to love God first. Passionately love God, love his word, and what he tells you to stand for, stand for that. And I promise you, you're not going to get in any trouble that the Lord will not deliver you from. Do you believe it? Yes. Say amen. amen. All right, so Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, what I'm talking about today. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Let's say that together. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. One more time. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. One more time. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen, somebody. Ah. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle 
against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. How many people would agree that this is an hour and a day that we need to stand for the things of God? Come on, there needs to be some some Bible-toting, sword-carrying, Holy Ghost, born-again believers crushing the devil everywhere they go. Remember this, he's beneath your feet, so walk like this. Put a little pep in your step, somebody, amen. Everywhere the sole of your foot treads, God will give it unto you. It's time. You know, even take what's happening in Minneapolis. It's awesome. Uh, it's, it was terrible what happened to George Floyd. People were like, it's not awesome. Terrible. We, we talked about that last week. But a friend of mine that I went to Bible college with lives in Minneapolis. He's a DJ. He set up on the corner and started mixing, DJing, uh, spirit, uh, he's a spirit-filled believer, and they started preaching the gospel. They've seen hundreds of salvations. They've been laying hands on the sick. People are being supernaturally healed. He's like, it's revival. Sean Foyt just showed up from Bethel, and he said, this is the closest thing to true revival I've seen in America, what's happening, where the devil meant to do damage. God said, not today. Hey, somebody. Woo! Man, it hit me like a thunderbolt. I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I hear an organ even though there ain't one. Come on. That's your God. That's who's in you. You're not afraid. You're bold as a lion. Man, it's like everywhere. Then this is a reality. See, when you read that, it's real. Like spiritual people begin to realize it's an absolute truth that there are principalities that come into a region to set up a demonic structure of oppression, poverty, lack, pain, suffering, where wickedness gets celebrated and everybody's hurting. And it's like the church is like, well, that's the bad side of town. But God's like, if you go in there with a true move of heaven, you can break those chains off of that generation and you can run that principality straight down the road, licking his wounds, get back to hell. We say, hell no, heaven yes. Come on, somebody. That's what we're called to do. And so that's the hour that the church is in right now. It is not an hour of defeat. It is not an hour of America falling apart. Over our dead body will America fall apart. America will get stronger. The move of God will get, get, get more and more prevalent. The church is going to rise up. The love of God is going to shine. Supernatural move is going to take place. People are going to be healed, set free, and delivered. And the very person that was spewing hate is going to be preaching the gospel because that's the God that we serve. Come on. All right. Take up the whole armor of God. We have a responsibility as believers to be strong. In the Lord and in the power of his mind. Which means you're supposed to be someone that can stand against the things of the enemy when someone needs to stand. Come on, somebody. There, you know in your life, if you're going to do anything in faith, you're going to meet opposition. And so a lot of people think that faith just means that things are going to go easy. Faith means you're going to face opposition and you're going to dig in and you're going to keep moving forward. And you're not giving up because you have a word from God to go on. We need strong believers, full of the word. Come on, that understand the word. That don't get manipulated from the devil's skewed perception of the word. But truly knows the word. It's written in your heart. It's imprinted in you. Whether you've got a Bible in your back pocket or on your version app or not, the word of God is the plumb line of your life. And you know that word and you're filled with the spirit and you live and you're led by that spirit, not by social media or by wind and waves of this world, you're a strong believer. Uh, so years ago, this church had a um, daycare, but when we first came here, which we wound up having to close the daycare because the church got too big and needed the space. And so when we first came here, my, my children were little. We've been here five years. Emma was four years old. She was in daycare. And one day, I'm here on the property, and I see her playing in the playground, so I run up to the playground gate to say hi to Emma, and as I run up there, I realize what's happening is there's another four-year-old girl that was literally just making fun of my daughter. 
calling her stupid and ugly and she's a loser and I don't want to be your friend anymore. I mean, as a dad, I was like, you, you, you just, I know that this girl's four years old, which means I can take her out. I have the advantage right now. It is definite like, wow, you know, and then hug Emma and everything's okay, you know. And so, and I, but I know I can't throw the kid. So I think, well, I got to get to the kid's level. So what's a good four-year-old insult that I can throw back at this kid? <laughs> you know, so I'm thinking, your pigtails look ugly. And your shoes are stupid. And then I was working up to, this, to that. Because that's like the ultimate mic drop when you're four years old. Mm. So I'm prepped. I'm ready. I'm about to tear into this playground. And this kid is going to find out how bad her pigtails are and how goofy her shoes are. And right as I'm about to do it, the Lord stops me. And I just feel like literally the, the nudge of the Holy Spirit. Like, don't intervene. And it was hard. Like my, I mean, and it's silly. I know it is silly. But my heart's like grieving. Because I like, I'm like, this kid, Emma, is not stupid. She's an awesome, you know, you know, you know how you are as a parent. And I watched this girl just lambast Emma. And then Emma, I don't even think Emma realized what was going on. I think in her world, she's like, whatever. <laughs> and ran off to play. And I was like, that's right, whatever. You get, you know. So I walk away. And the moral of the story is this, is that why in life do we go through things, you know? It's like, why is it that you do go through trials? Why is it that money is sometimes tight even though you're a tither? Why is it that you can get sick sometimes in your body when you believe in supernatural healing? Why doesn't the Lord just protect you from everything that comes down the path? And the truth is because the things you go through is what builds your strength up. The stronger you are is when you've actually walked through something and you know that didn't take me out. That didn't take me out, so this ain't about to take me out either. She picked on me once. She picked on me twice. But I'm coming the third time, and I'm on fire. <laughs> hey, sometimes, like, you go through trials. Man, like, my dad passed away of cancer. That just fuels me to be like, every time I hear the word cancer, I'm like, you foul devil from hell. Like, you'll leap over eight chairs to grab someone to pray with them. Well, my aunt took her life by suicide. Every time I see a person struggling in that, it's like there's a passion, there's a fight. So everywhere that the devil has tried to pick on you, let it arise in you a fight to go out and take territory and be like, no, you picked on the wrong believer. I'm not your average pushover. I'm a Holy Ghost field, Bible toting, devil stomping, tornado from heaven. And you have an awoke in the inside of me, a fire to come out and fight. Come on. It's like in Tennessee, they, they, they say, you know, you ain't got to fight fair. You just got to fight to win. This church was like, I don't know what to take about that. Well, don't give the devil a free run up the side. Come with everything you've got. And that is the fullness of the Lord. Amen. We're called to be strong. Say strong. strong. So you've been through some stuff, man. Why do wild, unexpected, and difficult things happen in our life? Why is it that the Lord doesn't protect us? Why did he restrain me? Why? In reality, as a parent, you wish that you could protect your kid from everything, but you can't protect them from everything. And number one is, is it a prayer failure? And the truth is, yes, sometimes it's a prayer failure. Sometimes you got into trouble because you did not pray it through. Boy, that, that went over great. Like eight people literally just broke eye contact and looked down at the floor with me. That was awkward. <laughs> it's a prayer failure we love to blame God for problems don't we because then we don't have to take responsibility for it God why did you lead me here God why did you tell me to do that God why did you call me to Bible God why did you say that that was my spouse <laughs> I went there that one God, we love to blame God because then we can just sit there high and mighty on our throne of perfection like, you messed up, Lord. You didn't see that one coming, did you? (laughs) 
But the reality is sometimes you just didn't pray things through. A strong believer begins to realize when you go through stuff, the power of prayer to really get the mind of God before you leap into something. Good ideas are not God ideas. I'll never forget a great minister of the gospel one time said, the, the devil is not nervous for you about you doing good things. He's terrified of you doing God things. And there is a difference. And so if you just let a moral compass alone lead you, yeah, you can do good things. But if you let God lead you, you're going to do God things. You will awaken some opposition. You will have to stand the test of time. You will have to fight a few battles. But stand strong, put on the armor of God, and say, come with everything you've got, but you're not stopping what God has my, in my life. Amen. Amen. you got to have that in you. And so prayer failure is a real thing. Learn to pray things through. Believers, pray. Pray and seek God. When things are going on, I mean, ask for advice, seek counsel, but also pray and seek the Lord. Because when you get something from God and you pray things through, timing comes from that. A release from heaven. It's like the Lord will restrain you, then he'll release you. God will give you an opportunity to do this, and then he'll pull you back from that. If you learn to follow that, you're going to uh, basically outmaneuver the devil every single time. And you're only going to be in the battles that are taking territory and not defending what you currently have. You with me right now? And that's the battles you want to go in. You want to go in the battles that God has ordained for you to walk in that actually build his kingdom, not just battles where you're constantly fighting for what you have right now. And a lot of believers get in the defense right away, trying to obtain and keep what they've got, and they miss out that God has called you to take ground. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Now, is it a faith failure when you go through problems? It's not a faith failure unless you quit. It's never a failure unless you stop fighting altogether. One time I asked the Lord about that concerning people trying to beat sin and addictions and stuff. And I said, God, you know, in the sense of uh, redemption and, and, and all of these things in their life and you bringing them through to salvation and, and they're still struggling in sin, how, where, when is too much, too much? And the Lord said to me, Caleb, as long as a person is fighting against that sin nature, then they're in the right place and they will, they've not given themselves over to it. You've got to keep a fight on the inside of you. Amen. Never just come in agreement, because as long as you're fighting, you're not agreeing with the devil. No, I do not agree with that. I do not agree with this sickness in my body. I do not agree with this lack in my household. I do not agree with the lies that are propagating across this nation. I do not agree with the division that's trying to come. I do not agree with hatred. I bind those things in Jesus' name, and I loose the glory of God across my house, my body, my mind, my country, my nation, my family, my kids. I lose it now. And that's the fight we're called to fight. Somebody say amen. amen. Come on. You make a difference. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Know this. In the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Man, sometimes it's like you read the Bible and you're like, they knew God. You're talking, this was thousands of years ago. Absolutely, we're living in the end times. People are more concerned over public opinion or fleshly desires than they are about God. And that even croaches into the church, some churches, where public opinion means more to them than a fear of the Lord and an adherence to his word. And I'm not trying to pick on the church as a whole, but I'm telling you right now, it is so easy for people to get wrapped up in a battle they're not supposed to fight and miss the true battle that God has called them to stand in. Amen? And so that's what we're living in right now. People are having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, acting basically like God themselves, acting like they know the Lord better than you know the Lord, acting like they know what God wants more than what God knows what he wants. You know those people, like, I know that this is what the Lord wants. Well, how do you know that? Is it in his word? No, but it's a good thing to do, you know? It's what everybody's doing right now. It's, the, it's whatever, you know, it's just you can get wrapped up in this whole thing. And the Bible warns us that in the last days people get like this. In the church, I think one of the, one of the biggest things I ever felt when I got saved was when I, when I read the word, I thought to myself, God... Like, I want to get it right. 
You know, I want to be the believer I'm supposed to be. I don't want to be a person that gets it wrong. I don't want to live 15 years doing something I wasn't supposed to live. And I certainly don't want to be manipulated and turned against you from the wiles of the enemy. Because you read Matthew 13 that talks about the tares growing among the weeds. And God said, let that happen until the last days. And then my fire will come and I'll separate out the wheat, the true harvest, and I'll burn up the chaff and the tares. And you read that and you realize what God is saying literally in the body of Christ. There are people that are being raised up that do not have any fruit because a tear does not produce fruit. Wheat produces fruit and it bows before the Lord by the weight of the fruit that it produces. Tears stand straight up tall and they never produce any fruit. But they're literally sown in the midst of the church because the devil, all he can do is try and pervert the true things of God. And so that's what we live in right now. We live in a time and a day and age where you got to guard your heart you got to stay pure before God. you got to grow up spiritually to be able to stand the test of times and not just give up because you feel like you've been in a fight, in a fight so long. Or do not give up just because you feel like it's hopeless around you. It's demonic oppression. It's the principality of the enemy that tries to make the church feel stuffed up and defeated. But you're supposed to let out a shout that breaks that thing off and take ground everywhere you go. Amen. And so we're in those last days. It says evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Absolutely. It's called CNN. (laughs) (laughs) MSNBC. But you must continue in the things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. The enemy wants to deceive. It's the realms of belief and faith, man. You put faith in the wrong in a lie, you're going to fight so hard for that lie. And the devil knows that. He knows that faith is a powerful force, so he's got to pervert it in its belief system. So that you believe something wrong, so you fight for that wrong thing instead of fighting for the things that God has called you to fight for. Now, 16 and 17, 2 Timothy 3, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Come on. Everything in the Bible is inspired by God. It is good to reprove, rebuke, and correct you and get you on track to fill you with the doctrine that is of the kingdom of God so that you think like God, walk like God, and move like God. Amen? Amen. So... Stay in the word. A strong believer is somebody that understands that the word of God is the plumb line of your life. You have to have a discipline in the word. If you don't hardly ever crack open your Bible and you only just hear the word when you come to Sundays or around that one friend of yours that's truly in love with Jesus and they talk about him all the time, you're missing out on that intimacy that you're meant to have. You should make time to read the word. Amen? Don't spend eight hours a day on social media and zero hours a day in the Word. Stay in the Word, too, because you're going to hear things by the Spirit of God. And just read it. Just read the Word. No agenda. Study it, but also read the Word, and then go back and read the Word. And what happens is things begin to get illuminated in your spirit. You'll read something, and something about it that you can't shake. And you go back, and you read it, and you go back, and you read it, and you go back, and you read it. And finally, if you get to a place, and you're like, God, I, 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 I can't figure this out. I promise you, the way the Lord works, you ask the Lord, help me in this. The next time you showed up at church or a small group, that is exactly what will be preached on. Because it's real. God is real. He's alive. And he cares about you. And you bring that hunger, he's going to respond back. Come on, somebody. Amen? In fact, just this week, some, or two, two weeks ago, I was talking to somebody, and they said they came to our church uh, a couple years ago. And I called them out, and I prophesied over them. And then she was like, you were on point. I mean, everything you prophesied, you didn't know me. You, you never met me. You don't know anything going on in my life. And you literally spoke everything that needed to be spoken on in my life. And so she says, I tell people everywhere I go, get the, the River Claremont Church is legit. That, that preacher's a man of God. And I felt good about that. I'm like, amen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, come on. So I'm like, I'm a man of God. That's right. I was looking in the mirror the next morning saying, Mog. Mog. A little turn this way, a little Proverbs chapter 3 that way, a little Romans chapter 5. No, I'm joking. It does feel good. You know, it felt good. Like, could you give your life towards it? You're like, thank God for confirmation that I am doing the will of the Lord. Amen? 
But as I thought that even, the Lord actually said to me, he said, Caleb, it's not an indication that you're anointed that you spoke that over her. It's an indication that she has a call of God on her life and I needed that spoken over her. And think about what that means. What the Lord meant in that was, you come, because if you read the Bible, he prophesied through a donkey. So when you come here and you're like, I'm just sitting in the crowd, you are not just sitting in the crowd, people. You are the reason why heaven pours out in this place. Your hunger, your expectation, your desire, your pull on the anointing, God's like, I'm going to move whatever it takes to get them the word they need that day because I heard their cry, I saw their faithfulness, and I'm pouring out fresh oil for that person. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. You say, does my praise matter? Yes. It's like the, 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 it's the difference between the anointing and the glory. The way the Lord showed it to me is that you can be anointed as an individual. It's like where the oil of God comes upon you to give you a supernatural infilling for a divine task. And it's like the anointing, you can feel it sometimes. It's like a weighty blanket or it's like electricity in your body. But then when a group of people get together... And we're all pressing into God. It's like the glory of heaven invades the place. Now it's not contained in a body. It's like the atmosphere is charged by God. Then an unbeliever walks in and they feel that presence. And they're like, what is this? My body is alive. That is the glory of the risen king. He is alive. He is well. We don't shout to the roof. We shout past the roof to the almighty. Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah. So understand that. If you feel weak in any area in your walk with God, you have a responsibility to grow in that area. Say, man, I've never broke into the prophetic. I've never broke in into dreams and visions. I've never broke in into supernatural giving and seeing the blessing of God. Well, then let that be something that you make a commitment to God this year to break into that ground. So I'm going to get stronger than I've ever been. Amen? Who's with me right now? Don't let something that someone else is walking in be a deterrent. And you say, well, you love them more. If you see someone else walking in something, then you say, you know what, God? The same spirit lives on the inside of me. I'm going to grow in that capacity too. Come on. Be strong. Say strong. strong. The closer we get to the end of times, the more defined a believer needs to become. You got to get stronger and stronger. And think about this. I just want you to grab this right now. If you think that it's crazy what's going on in the world, which it is, it's just weird. And the term that has always been said from February is basically unprecedented. It's unprecedented times. Like there's nothing you can really look at to even kind of draw what's happening in the nation of America right now. But you are handpicked from God to be alive on the earth today. So what does that say about God's thoughts about you? He's like, Mm-mm, okay, Corona's about to break loose. I'm going to put Mark Edward on the planet at that time. Because that guy, mm, he's the devil's worst nightmare. Come on. Come on, stir it up like that. Understand, man, even when you're going through trials, why am I going through trials? Stop trying to figure out. Yes, maybe you made a mistake. Maybe you just got hit by an unforeseen circumstance. Maybe you're in America. And everybody right now feels like that. You know, why is this happening? But beyond all that, stop and realize, but God is still with me. And that even when the enemy has a well-plot-out strategy to stop the things of God, God always breaks past. It's like when the enemy comes to crush it, God's like, boom, didn't see that coming. And you're that boom. You with me? If you believe it, say amen. Amen. So four characteristics of a strong believer. I'm talking about being strong. You have a responsibility to be a mature, strong Christian. To where you are not a person that the enemy is able to manipulate any longer. You want to cut that out of your life. You want to be someone that heaven can rely upon. When you take responsibility for something, you're ensuring that you're going to be the person to carry the weight for the move of God. And the church has been very good at casting blame on people. Like, it's politics, or it's this, or it's Hollywood, or it's all of these things. But ultimately, the devil is not going to stop being the devil. But the church better start shining like the church is supposed to shine. Amen? 
So we can't convince the devil to stop in his tactics, so we just got to up our game and be strong. When you start carrying responsibility, then you begin to seek the Lord and say, all right, God, what is happening on the nation right now? What can I do to make a difference? Some of you in here right now, maybe the Lord would have sent you to Minneapolis. Maybe you would have been on the streets preaching the gospel right now. Maybe you would have seen blind eyes open and deaf ears hear. You maybe would have seen God supernaturally move. Maybe some of you were called to bust up in a chass. I don't know. <laughs> Bring some potatoes and vegan meals and start laying hands on the sick and prophesy. Seriously. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Take responsibility. It's easy to sit in the back seat and criticize everything anybody does. But it's a different story when you say, God, I'm going to make a difference. And you step out and you follow the plan of God. Yeah. Say, I don't, I'm going into uncharted territory, but that means that it's something supernatural, which Isaiah 43, 19 says, behold, I will do new, new, new things, says the Lord. Yeah. You're stepping into that new thing. Come on. So right now, just close your eyes across this place. I feel this right now. Everybody close your eyes. Come on, let the Lord speak to you. Father, we just thank you, God. This is a room full of believers that love you with all of our heart. We are seeking you, God. And in the midst of everything going on right now, we're asking you, Father, what do you want us to step into? What do you want us to take responsibility for? What agenda do you have of heaven for us to help accomplish in this hour, God? Whatever you ask of us, we're willing to do it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, God. Come on. Responsibility. Four characteristics of a strong believer. Before you go anywhere... You better get joy in your life. Come on. Nobody needs another depressed Christian out there. Follow Jesus like me. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a long road. Church is boring. But at the end of it all, it's going to be worth it. Trust me. We don't need depression. Depression never motivates anybody except to jump off of a bridge. Wow, people are like, I can't believe you said that. Where do you, why do you think they jump off a bridge? Because they're happy? <laughs> Joyful people don't end their life. Joyful people live life to the fullest. Get joy in your life. If you are struggling with depression, your life feels empty or void, and you feel like every day is just this never-ending complex battle to even put a smile on your face, you're doing things wrong, and you've got to get joy back in your life. Amen? Amen. When Ezra stood up and read the Word of God in the book of Nehemiah as they rebuilt the wall, the people began to cry and weep as they heard the law of the Lord because they were so focused on how they couldn't do it. And Nehemiah had to instruct him, no, tell them to rejoice for the joy of the Lord is their strength. That this is not just where we're failing, but it's a promise from God of what he's going to do for us. And the people began to be joyful again. That's where we get the term, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Joyful people are strong people. If you don't have joy in your life, just choose. Joy is a choice. You choose to be joyful. Amen. First time I came into church and I heard about the joy of the Lord, people laughing and people crying uh, with, with laughter and all these things. I was just a young person, didn't know anything about church as a whole because I didn't grow up in it. And so I didn't have that, that wall blockage of, is it the Lord or is it the devil? I just saw people doing it. So I'm like, that looks like fun. <laughs> you with me right now? A, a happy person looks like they're having fun. You know, how do you nervously enter into a conversation? You start laughing. You know it's true. <laughs> You're like at a party, you're trying to make friends, you know, it's an engagement party, you don't know anybody, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. You try and interject into that. <laughs> Just waiting for someone to crack even a slight joke so you can laugh your way into conversation. <laughs> you know it's true. Otherwise, what do, you, what do you do? You know, you're just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You're that creepy dude standing there quiet. So I saw it in church, and I was like, I want to try it. And so I saw people laughing, and I just began to laugh. And it was not, there was nothing funny going on. My, my mind's like, There's, this is weird. You're like, ha, 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 he, he, he. So I just kept going past my mind until it started to flow from my belly. Which, what does the Bible say? With joy shall you draw from the wells of salvation. It's in you. Say, it's in me. Depression is not in you. Depression comes upon you. 
That's from the enemy. But God's kingdom in you is a joy. It's an overflowing, springing up to life river of God on the inside. Hey! Joy! You're struggling with depression? Laugh more often. Go home and just push your belly until you laugh. <laughs> Seriously, put your hand on your belly right now. Let's do this thing. I'm gonna, let me tell you a testimony. Powerful testimony. Just keep your hand on your belly the whole time I tell the 10-minute testimony of a Pentecostal preacher. Amen? Like, keep it there. So I'm preaching in Alaska, and some of you heard this, but it's, it's, it's awesome. This guy comes to the service one night, and I always stand at the door and I greet people. If you come to this church, you see me. I'm often, oftentimes outside. If I'm not outside, something came up. But I'm always talking to people. Put your hand on your belly. Aaron. Oh, my gosh. What was that about? In the last days, people will be disobedient? Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. Wow. Pastor Mark, you might should give the baptism shirts out today. Aaron's in a disobedient streak. She may give out the wrong shirts altogether. Instead of the all things new shirt, you may get things stay the same shirt. <laughs> I'm in Alaska. I'm greeting people, and this guy comes to the service, and he was not smiling at all. So I grabbed his hand, or I went to grab his hand. I was like, hey, welcome to the service tonight. He looked at me, looked at my hand, and then he just walked on, like totally left me hanging. And I was like, ow, you know. So then I'm thinking, you know, I don't know what this guy's deal is, but I hope that the Lord touches him tonight. And that's the person you think is going to sit on the back row. He sat on the front row of the meeting. Like right dead center. So I'm preaching and I've got this guy just staring at me, man. I'm pulling out everything I can pull out. Not even a crack of a smile, you know. So at the end, and, and the Lord told me, he said, Caleb, I want you to preach on joy tonight. And I was like, you always do this to me, God. This is not fair. And it's like, let me preach on joy when, things, when people are happy in the room. And everybody's like, <laughs> when you preach on joy and depression, you're like, this just feels weird. And so I did it, and he, I said, who needs joy in their life? And people start laughing. People, one lady fell down on the ground and was just, just laughing genuinely from the Lord. And he stood right up and walked right to me. He said, I need joy. So I laid down hands on his belly, and I was like, Father, give this man joy. And I was like, you laugh like this. Ha, ha, ha. He, he, he. Ho, ho, ho. Switch it up. Ho, ho, ho. He, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. And so this guy literally is like, ha. Ha, ha. He, ho, he, ha. He, I was painful. I was like wanting, I did not want to be the minister. At that time, you think it's great to be the minister? I was like, this is a great time to be an usher. <laughs> if Pastor Mark had been there, I would have been like, I feel like the Lord wants you to pray for him, Pastor Mark. Come here. I totally would have done that to him. <laughs> Just being honest, you know. And... <laughs> I'm, but the longer I pray for this guy, more and more people in the room are getting joy. And people are laughing and laughing. This guy did not budge at all. And finally, and I tell people this, if, if you are in a moment where the preacher's just going to keep praying and you're not getting it, if all else fails, just fall down. And that's what this guy did. <laughs> he just hit the turf. And so he fell down and I was like, Jesus, okay. He gets up, walks out of the place, not even, a, didn't even say bye. The next night, he doesn't come to the meeting, and I was actually kind of like grateful. <laughs> I say too much, don't I? I, I expose. I, no, no, I don't expose. I reveal, I reveal too much. My use of the English language. So the next night, he shows up, and this night, his face is beaming with light. His mouth is, gr he's grinning, and he runs to me, and he grabs my hand, and he's like, brother, how are you? And I'm like, great, you know? <laughs> he sits on the front row again, and I, like, even in serious moments, I'm like, you know, 
just a slight little hint of humor. And he's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> like he was the laugh guy. And I'm like, yeah, boy, get it. He comes to me after the service and he says, let me tell you what happened. Now listen to this. When you talk about joy, the importance of joy. He says, 21 years ago in my life, I was drunk driving with a friend of mine and we hit a young boy. He said, I got out of the car. I picked the boy up in my hands. My friend drove off because he didn't want to be seen at the scene of the accident. And the little boy started hemorrhaging in my arms. He said, I ran as fast as I could to get to the nearest town. I got him to the clinic and he died in the clinic. And he says, um, I made a vow to the Lord that night that I would never touch alcohol again the rest of my days. And he said, I was true to that vow. I have never drank another drop of alcohol. But he said, I have been depressed ever since that day, having been a part of that. And my life was basically a torture. He said, when you talked about joy, he said, I, in the inside, I thought, is that ever anything I could ever have, God? If it is, I want it. He said, you prayed for me. I didn't feel anything. I got home and I laid down and I felt like the Lord, I was, you know, on the inside, he was going to cry like God doesn't care. And he said, suddenly, it's like it erupted from on the inside of me and I began to laugh. And he said, I laughed all night long, didn't even sleep a wink, worked all day long yesterday. That's why I wasn't in the meeting and laughed again through the night. He said, man, it's like my life is brand new now. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So... Put your hand on your belly one more time. We laugh like this. Say, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> he, he, he. Ho, ho, ho. Switch it up. Ha, he, ho. <laughs> and stay like that. Stay in the joy zone. A strong believer is a joyful believer. They're not an oppressed person. They don't show up and make everybody want to leave the building. They show up and people are attracted to it. The joy of the Lord is an attractive thing because joy is contagious. You ever notice that? You hear someone laugh and you're like, nothing's... <laughs> and you know, it's like, it's contagious. It should be, we should be like that, contagiously joyful so that people walk around us and they just find themselves laughing. And what does laughter do? You know what? Number one, it produces good abs. <laughs> Like, you could either go to the gym and do all those silly crunches and all those planks like those guys are doing, or you could just go to church and laugh. I choose church and laughter, amen? How do I get six-minute abs? Six minutes of joy, amen? But beyond that, it just breaks off. It literally is medicine to your body. Joy breaks off oppression and anxiety and things that literally cost all sorts of health issues and junk. A joyful believer is a strong person. Come on, somebody. In fact, the Bible says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. There is a true joy that comes when you know that whatever comes your way, even if it seems initially bad, it has to turn around for good. Amen? There's a joy that comes in that. It's like when you know you have the upper hand, you're joyful when the enemy tries to do something to you because you know I'm about to win. <laughs> you are a loser, and I am a winner. Amen. Okay. Second characteristic of a strong believer is there are people of action. So true. That the body of Christ should be very much a place of action. So a lot of people sit back, and that, that's part. That's actually one of the fruits of the most of people that do not do anything are always the critics of everybody doing something. It's like they will sit there and criticize everything you've done. And I tell people this: even if you don't do it well, at least you did it. You know, I would rather do something mediocre than do nothing at all and criticize everything that happens around me. I would rather learn, because if I do it mediocre, then I've learned the next time how to do it a little bit better. Are you with me? And I've noticed this, that the Lord oftentimes will ask you to do something that you do not know how to do. It's not something you're even, like, I'm not qualified to do that. I didn't even know how to do that. What do you, why would you tell me to do that, God? And he's like, because I want you to do it. And then it's in that faith of stepping out, number one, since you don't know how to do it, you're going to rely entirely upon the Lord to help you to do it. 
So that's where true faith and supernatural things begin to flow. But beyond that, it's constantly making you grow yourself. One man of God said, he said, uh, 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 somebody asked him the question, how do you know that when God is moving you past something into something else? He said, listen, if you find yourself in a situation that you are no longer growing and everything is stagnant because you're not being challenged and you're not doing something new, then it's probably the Lord leading you to something new. But if you're in a place and it's tough, but you're growing, stick it out because God has something for you in that place. Amen? Be a people of action. Action is, is the key. It's like you read James and it talks about the, the people that are a hearer of the word versus people that are doers of the word. And the key is that faith is proven by works. Faith is not proven by belief alone. You can have great belief but have no fruit because faith is, a, is, a, is an action. It's stepping out and doing something that shows forth the faith you have for God. Amen? Amen. James 2.18 says it this way. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God? Will you do well? Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? Come on. Be a person of action. If you don't use it, you won't. Have it. So you got to use it. Be a person of action. In fact, working, if you read Hebrews 11, which is one of my favorite books or chapters in the Bible, because uh, there's certain scriptures that they, they just keep building, 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 building. And Hebrews 11 is one. Acts chapter 6 when Stephen, and 7 and 8 when Stephen's rebuking the Pharisees about their hard hearts. That just builds and builds and builds. And you feel like Stephen gave the greatest rebuke ever. You just Like when I get to heaven, I'm going to be at that moment. If you can do the heaven virtual reality and be there, I want to watch Stephen tear them apart. <laughs> Have you ever read it? I mean, does, does anybody in here read the Bible? Yes. People are like, I haven't heard that movie. It's like Stephen just starts laying out from the beginning of time, your hard heart. And he's like, boo, 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 boo. And you're like, at the end, you're like, Stephen, of course you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's definitely where this is headed right now. Because he's like, boom, boo, 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 what? And they're like, ah, ah. Anyways, so that's, that's, that's Caleb Ring's interpretation of Acts chapter 7. Brought to you today by a very mature believer that likes to act immature in his physical mannerisms. Okay. Person of action. It's, it's, it's Hebrews 11, when you read it, it goes from like Abraham. And, well, it starts with, with like Noah, Abraham, all the men and women of God, Samson, that have done great works for God. And through that, that's relating faith. And it just keeps building that this person brought the dead back to life. This person subdued kingdoms. This person slayed giants. And you're like, boom, 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 boom. Works. People that are mature believers have works that show forth that they practice what they preach and they believe it. They're a person that serves. They work hard. They lay hands on the sick. They preach the gospel. They cast the devil out. They read their Bible. They show up to church. They volunteer. They're constantly giving of themselves. They're pouring out. They have works that show forth. They believe what they say. When you think of a strong believer, what do you think of? Someone that's sitting there, or do you think of the person that you're like, they're, they're always doing that. They're working over there. I saw them praying for that person. That's a strong believer. And that's what you're called to do. Come on, somebody. Say, how do I get there? By more and more time with the Lord, being committed to growth and saying, God, I'll do it even if I feel uncomfortable. And from that, you begin to carry the responsibility of building the kingdom of God. It is built through works. Come on. Even when you think about the gifts of the Spirit, it doesn't even talk about there's a gift of miracles. It says there's a gift of working of miracles. There's work to be done in the body of Christ. And if we just sit back and let the enemy do all that he wants done through his agenda and the church just criticizes what the devil's doing and wonder why can't the devil submit to what the church wants done and don't do the works you're called to do, then the devil will continue to take ground around you. But he will not do that in this generation in Jesus' name. People of action. It's putting your money where your mouth is. It's doing something, whether it's small or big. It's giving, sharing faith, feeding others, and discipling others. 
There's a saying that says people don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. So do you care enough to put action in your faith and make a difference today in someone's life? Amen? Amen. It's like when you get home, understand the responsibility you care you carry to do something great. Uh, a friend of mine one time, he told me a testimony. He's, uh, he's an awesome, awesome man. Loves God with all of his heart. Supernatural uh, his life. He should have died as a kid. And the Lord sustained him. And he's a, he's a passionate soul winner. The Lord's pr- promoted him in business. He's very blessed. And he said one day, and this is maybe mess with some people, but he had this toothache. And this toothache lasted for for months, he said. Like it would not go away. And he'd never had anything like that before. He went to the dentist and they, they couldn't figure out anything about it. Uh, they're like, there's nothing literally wrong with you. And one day he's crying out. And he got to the point, he said, I'm, I was crying out for mercy. Like, God, have mercy on me. I cannot handle this pain. And the unction of the Holy Spirit came to his spirit and said, I will show mercy when you show mercy. And he didn't realize this is actual scriptural. It's in the Bible. And he was like, what does that mean, God? And the Lord flashed his neighbor before his eyes. So he gets up and he walks right across the street, knocks on the door. The woman opens the door and the little kid with her. And he says, look, I know you don't know me, but I live across the street. And I just felt compelled by God right now to come and tell you how much he loves you. That he has loved you your entire life. That his hand has been with you. And though you've been through a lot of different battles and struggles, I want you to know that that God is here right now. And if you open your heart, he's going to come into your life. And the woman started crying and the little girl started crying right there at the front of their door. He prayed with them. He said, man, it's like the glory of God filled the place right at the front step. They're crying. He's weeping. He's holding them. I mean, they just glorious salvation. He walks across the street. By the time he gets home, he realizes his tooth was no longer hurting. And he's like, thank you, Jesus. Two weeks later, that woman was murdered. And you, you, you hear that. I want, what I want you to realize in that is how much God really, truly cares about people's lives. My uncle passed away suddenly last year. My aunt passed away. Then a, a month later, my uncle passed away just out of nowhere. And at his funeral, his neighbor got up, his postman got up, and uh, one coworker got up, and all of them testified how in the last month and a half, the Lord had just been sending them over to my uncle to just read the Bible to him and just minister to him and just pray with him. And they all said, man, I prayed with him for Jesus to come fresh in his heart three, four times in the last month of his life. It's like God is in the business of changing people's lives. And it's all about, is there, are you the person that's willing to get the nudge from the Spirit and walk across the street to the neighbor and minister that? Or are you the person that pushes that aside and rather gets on Facebook and just reads and gets angry at the devil and like, wow, why is he getting his way? Because people are letting him get his way. You know it's true. And so you've got to be a person of action. Be a person that does it. Like you give when God tells you to give. You preach when God tells you to preach. If God says go to Chaz, you go to Chaz. <laughs> I cannot wait. I hope next week someone's like, I spent three days in Chaz, Pastor. And... Okay, anyways. <laughs> is anybody in here, is the Lord speaking to anybody about going to Chaz? Nobody? People are like, I ain't going up in there. <laughs> Third characteristic of a strong believer. They're a person that passionately pursues wisdom. They're wise. It's so crucial in our walk with God to realize that in all our learning, learn the truth of God's kingdom and let his wisdom continue to build you strong so that you you decipher things correctly. You know things that you need to know. You're led by the right unction on the inside. It's the wisdom of heaven that sets the church apart. Because we're the only force on this earth that has access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the source of all knowledge and all understanding. The one that holds time in his hand is available to you. So choose to be a wise person. Proverbs 9, 8 through 12. You ever notice, we'll read that, but like when you get around someone with wisdom, that it's like you can have a major dilemma going on in your life or a major decision before you, and they can respond with one sentence, and that one sentence sets you on the right path. You know that experience? When you're like, that, I've never looked at it that way. That's the wisdom that is held in the church. 
by people that, number one, get in the word because that's the beginning of it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But it's also just having an openness for God to correct you is a key for wisdom. If you are convinced that you know best every time, then you are not very wise. Everybody in here will make a mistake. Everybody in here will get it wrong. But how you handle that determines whether or not you're going to grow in wisdom or in foolishness. Proverbs 9, 8 through 12 says, Do, do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied and the years of your life will be added to you. And if, if, if you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you bear it alone. What that means, the last bit, is if you're wise... You yourself will reap the benefits of being wise. But if you're a fool, you yourself will reap the benefits of being a fool. So if you choose foolish things, you will pay the price of foolish actions and decisions in your life. But if you choose wisdom, pursuing in God and testing things, even back to what I talked about prayer. A wise person prays things through and seeks the Lord. Well, okay, what, what is happening in my life? Where can I go in my life? What decisions matter right now? And praying things through and seeking the word of the Lord. That learning how you don't just go by, by feelings alone. And you don't go by opportunity alone. That every door that opens up is not necessarily a door that God opened up for you. Right. You with me? Remember when I first started preaching, uh, my father-in-law told me, he said, Caleb, when you first started the ministry, you don't have to pray about any, any, any open doors. If one opens up, you go through it. He said, you just take every opportunity you can because you're going to have to do that to grow. And so I began to do that. And then he said, but what happens over time is you're going to realize that some doors that open up, the Lord is going to start teaching you about those things. And, that other, and as it grows, doors that open to you, some of them you'll have to say no to. He says, it's not that they're a bad door. It's not that they're a wicked place. It's not that you're in disobedience to God. It's just that is not the place that God intends for you to be at that particular time. So he said, I began to train myself, and I would watch my calendar, and I would look at my calendar, and I would look at a date that I would booked, and I would pray in the Holy Ghost, and sometimes I would feel just grievance or wouldn't be able to move past that date, and I would pick up something's wrong, and I would call, and I would cancel it. He said, then the city before that I would be in, the glory of God would invade the place, and we would blow up and go weeks out. He said, if I didn't learn how to follow the voice of the Lord, I would have ruined everything God wanted done in that city because I would have piggybacked to the next city. All of it would have been good, but it wouldn't have been God. Are you with me right now? It's the difference between uh, just following a good plan and following a God plan. There's a difference in your life. And everybody here, you have to learn to decipher what is the plan that God has for you. And the God thing is the thing you want to do. Because the God thing is the thing that makes the biggest impact. Amen. Amen. Wisdom comes from devouring the word of God. Staying in his presence. Being intimate with God. That takes, that takes, that takes a commitment on your part. You're not intimate with God just because you go to church. You're intimate with God because you have a holy desire to know him and truly hear his voice and pursue him all the days of your life. That's wisdom. And wisdom causes you to see things. It illuminates things. You see spiritual truth. So you realize that's not the flesh. That's the spirit that's manifesting over there. You realize that's a distraction and that's what God wants me to focus on right now. And that wisdom helps you decipher and move through life without spending all your time going to the left and right but staying the course that you're supposed to walk on. Amen? Walk that out. Be a wise person. Wise believers, man, I'm telling you, if we had more people that truly walked in the wisdom of the Almighty, then the church would be so much further along than she is right now. We would be miles ahead of the enemy at all times because we have that supernatural download from God. You can eliminate many of life's 911s by pursuing wisdom. You learn from the word, you believe it, and you live by it. You watch others that God's hand is upon, and then you begin to, to model their life. You're not trying to be them, but you look at someone that is a success in the kingdom of God and realize, what is it that they do? Well, they pursue God. They did this. They did that. And you begin to line your life up in the pursuit of God. So you say, that's wisdom in pursuing God. And I choose that over anything this world has to offer. Amen.
Some wish to never look inside to discover why issues repeat in their lives. Change yourself and change the world. One, one lie of the enemy is change your geographical situation and things will be different. That's why people piggyback and hop around to different cities all the time. But the problem is, is you follow you everywhere you go. <laughs> oh, here I am, Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, here you are. <laughs> here I am, Minneapolis. Yeah, here you are. Until you deal with the internal things, you're still going to have the same fruit on the outside. Wisdom is realizing that everything I can build in me through the kingdom of God will manifest in the things being built around me. Come on. Yeah. Hallelujah. I've seen it in ministers. I've seen ministers jump around all the time trying to find the city they're called to. Well, that's not the city, and that's not the city. That's not the building. That's not the building. And they focus so much on external things and lose out on everything internal that needs to be built up. Last characteristic of a strong believer. Consistency. Consistency. You got to be consistent that what you start, you're consistent to continue and be faithful to complete it. It's always fun to start things. It's always great to end things. It's just in the middle that it's tough. It's like if I could run a marathon by just running the first half mile and the last half mile so I could get that initial energy of like, here we go, pow, woo do 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 do. And then the last half mile, a little bit of sweat for and running in, feeling fresh. That's great. But the problem is, is there's 22 miles in between that that you got to struggle through. And a lot of people, it's like we are so convinced that our feelings are from the Lord that that's what we judge everything on. Faith is based on a feeling, not actually on an instruction from God and a consistency to step it out. And so we are very volatile in what we're able to stay consistent in. I started it, but I'm not the one for it. I'm weak in this area. But until the Lord gives a replacement, you're the one that has to stay faithful to keep doing it. We went this week, well, this week we went and picked up food. 224 boxes of food were given to us. Uh, it was like awesome blessing of God. And I'm talking to the owner or the, the foundation the found, uh, of Southeast Food Bank. And he says, for eight years, I had a dream from the Lord to feed the hungry. He said, I've always had that passion. But for eight years, I worked a full-time job and had to come here at nighttime by myself and try and unload stuff and whatever I could get. For eight years of my life, I cried out to the Lord, may this become a full-time gig for me. May this, my, my life be able to do this. And he said, but it took eight years of plowing before I got the breakthrough and a trust fund was opened up. And now you see what we've got today. And the Lord is blessing me and I'm here full-time 22 years. And I'm the, the, the best thing about it all is every time I give food away, I tell them Jesus loves them. I tell them the reality of his kingdom and I pray with them to ask Jesus into their heart. So that's all I've ever wanted. Consistency to see things through, especially if you're a person of vision. How many people in here, you would feel you're a person of vision. What, what you see is not where you're at right now. Raise your hand. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a God-given trait. You can see things that, that other people aren't seeing, and it puts you on a path. You actually know, to a degree, what you're going to go after. So you're led by the Spirit of God. But in the, the distance between here and there, there's so many things you're going to have to walk through. And that becomes sometimes seems like something that will never materialize. Consistency is knowing that God did not give you that dream to take you halfway and leave you in the wilderness. He gave you that dream to keep you plowing ahead and staying consistent in your life, whether you feel it or don't feel it, whether you're tired or not tired. If you're tired, you rebuke your flesh and you wake up your spirit. Come on. If you feel rested, you thank the Lord, you feel rested that day. Come on. If you feel light as a feather, you run with all. If you feel heavy and you're like, man, this is tough. I am straining with everything I've got on the Lord right now to walk through this. You still stay consistent. A strong believer is a person that you can, you can rest that if they say they're going to do something, they're going to do it. And I love people like that. It's like people come around and they're like, I'm going to do this. And then they don't do it. Do you know that this building alone would have been filled two times if everybody that told me in the last five years of me being here, they, they came to me and said, personally, the Lord told me to come to this church. We are here forever. I've never seen them again. It's crazy. Now, did they, where did that come from? It's not like I spurred them to say that. You know, it's not like I'm like, hey, push the button where they hear it in the back of their head, ushers. You know, 
That's literally, I feel like it was genuine from God that they felt the Spirit of God. But what happens is they walk out the doors and the reality of the devil comes to steal the Word of God and plant it in you. And it happens to all of us. Man, I got this from God, but then how much comes against you to distract, to steal, to rob, to burden down, to all of those things to where that becomes the last thing you're focused on. And you never see him again. Now, is that God's plan for their life? Absolutely not. But they have the free will to follow whatever voice they listen to the loudest. And that's what happened. Think about that for for instance. Consistency matters. Are you consistent? Consistency is the self-control of emotions. Amen. It's faithfulness to God, to family, to his word, and to your own personal responsibilities in the kingdom. When a season in life comes to an end, grace lifts from you, and agitation to go ahead and jump ship comes. You see this all the time. If a person's going through a season of transition, changing jobs, changing this, you ever had that where this, the grace of your season lifts off of you? It's like you were the pioneer of this. It lifts off. What happens is now character is revealed, <laughs> and true godly people are consistent whether they, it's a struggle for them to be there or delight for them to be there. They're there until the Lord releases them from that place. You with me right now? Consistently, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.11, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility, so the five-fold ministry's responsibility, is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.